this morning's conversation is all about this following question. Will God search my heart and my mind? And in short, yes is the answer. So we can all go now. We're job done. No, absolutely right. God will search our heart and our mind. Hands up if you've ever lost anything. Right, we've all done it. We've all done it. Uh, I can't tell you how many times I've done it. How many times I've been running around the house in the morning going, where are my car keys? I work like an hour away from where I live. So I'm like, I always get a little bit panicky. I'm like, I have a basket to put stuff in by the front door. I know you shouldn't keep car keys by the front door. Don't lecture me. Okay. Uh, but I have the little basket by the front door and inevitably I've forgotten to put them in there, haven't I? Um, so I'm like searching around everywhere. Uh, I checked the trouser pocket of the trousers I wore yesterday. They're in the wash basket. Um, or on the floor next to the wash basket, if I'm honest. Uh, okay, so I do a bit of that, and I'm running around the house. I'm like, is it in my, is it in my random drawer in the wardrobe? No, it's not in my random drawer of bits and bobs. Where is it? And I panic, and I panic. I'm searching, I'm searching, I'm searching. Let me tell you, God doesn't do that. God's not panicking when he searches. God is very different to searching than when we are searching. Another time I'll be searching is if I'm looking for a piece of information. So I'll be looking, scrolling through my, my emails. Scrolling through, trying to look for a date, something I might have missed. I'm looking for a piece of information somebody's asked me for, and I'm scrolling through, and I'm scrolling through, and it takes me forever, and I'm going through. And uh, again, that little bit of panic sets in. I can't find it. I can't find it. Where is it? Where is it? Am I supposed to be there in half an hour? Where am I supposed to be? I've lost direction. Ah, panic. God doesn't do that. And the reason God doesn't do that is because he doesn't need to do that. Hebrews 4.13 says this. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is, in, is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of God, of hit to whom we must give account. Everything is laid bare to God. Could you imagine being like that, thinking, I've lost my keys, where are they? There they are. It would be amazing, wouldn't it? It'd be absolutely incredible. Thank goodness we're not like God, because the world would be a right mess if I was God. Oh, my word. But it's not the same. God doesn't search our heart in the same way. He's not rummaging around to find stuff that he's looking for that's missing. If you're in Christ, that's fixed. But he's looking for something that can make us closer. He's looking stuff to, to remove. He's looking at maybe doing a bit of open heart surgery. Jeremiah 7.10 says this, If the Lord search the heart and examine the mind to reward each person according to their conduct, according to what their deeds deserve. So when the Bible there talks about our heart and our mind, it's, it's not talking about God doing a regular ECG. He's not looking for blips on a machine. He's not looking at all that stuff. He's, he, he's bothered by that stuff. Believe me, he's bothered. Wants you to look after yourself, but he's do. It's talking about the, the seat of the emotions, your thoughts, your feelings, your theology, the way you think about stuff, the way you've been impacted by stuff, the the stuff that makes you do the stuff that you do, uh, the the stuff that's made you who you are up to this point. Because you are not the product of you waking up this morning. You're the product of however old you are, working all the way through to what you are now and what God's done in you. You are the product of all of that stuff. 
So that's what we're defining this morning. We're not defining heart and mind as in the physical heart and the physical mind. Remembering, of course, that God is very, very bothered about what happens in our mind. But we're talking about the way we think. We're talking about the way we process things and all of that stuff. I went on a gig a few weeks ago. Sometimes um, some people are desperate for a drummer, so they ask me. And uh, I go out and play a gig, and I go uh, not very far. I only went as far as Southwall. And I got to Southwall, and we get in this little pub, and it's, we're playing somebody's 50th birthday party. It's great fun. Uh, and I'm really looking forward to this 50th birthday party, because when you play birthday parties, generally there's food, right? Generally, right? Just This is a lesson for some people right now. I got to this 50th birthday party. There was three bands on at this party. So it was, it was quite cool. There was, there was a, a guy singing before us, and then there was a, a heavy metal Bee Gees tribute band. I know. I know. And then there was us guys doing some party music and stuff like that. And uh, we were there for a long time. So I'm thinking, when's the food? Because, you know, look at me. I need food. Okay? So uh, I'm thinking, where's the food? Where's the food? And do you know the only bit of food they had all night so this party started at four o'clock in the afternoon and went till about half past 11 in the evening. One bit of food. One bit of food. You know what it was? A Colin, the caterpillar flipping chocolate cake. Colin, the caterpillar cake for a 50th birthday. I was, I was searching. <laughs> I was searching. I was searching. Oh, desperate. Desperate to get close to food. Really hungry. All I could find was this colour, and I didn't feel I could have any. So it was one cake, and it was somebody's 50th. I'm like, I'm not that close. I'm just playing drums at your birthday party. I, th I couldn't really have any. I was desperately searching. Now, you know, God desperately searches our hearts. He's not looking for food. He's got all he needs. But he desperately searches for this reason, because he so wants to be closer to you. He so wants to be closer to me. And he wants us to live in close communion with him. He desperately searches. I got my drums out, set them all up, put my cymbals on, sit, sit down behind the kit. Have to be careful not to play because the party's already going on. I don't want to disrupt the music that's already happening. So we, And uh, one really important piece of kit is not there. Oh, no. I got my drums. Got my seat. Got my cymbals, we've got my sticks, got my in-ears. Right, we're all good, we're all good. What's missing? Drum key. No drum key. I'm a, my tom was wobbling on the stand and I couldn't tighten it up. I'm like, oh no, what am I doing? What am I? And again, I go on a desperate search. I have to phone my mate Riddy and go, Rid, because he lives around the corner. Bring me a drum key. I'm sorry, I've been an absolute amateur today. I've been an absolute amateur. But I searched and searched and searched and it caused me great panic. It was horrible. But Ridian came to the rescue. Thank you, Ridian. I was hoping he was going to be here today. But God doesn't do that. God doesn't panic. We've already heard this morning. God knows. God knows. We look back at Hebrews 4.13. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. God knows everything. We're going to have a look at uh, some of the stuff that we've been reading this week. We've been looking at Psalm 139. Now, this thing's been preached a billion times, right? A billion times. So I'm not going to pretend 
that I'm going to bring some flash new thought to you this morning. Uh, we're just going to work part way through it and, and, and see where the Holy Spirit leads us and, and kind of... I think he's going to say some stuff to some of us. Oh Lord, you have searched me and you know me. I don't know, you might have been a Christian a billion years. None of you don't look old enough. But you might have been a Christian a long time. Um, you may have been a Christian for, for two weeks. It really doesn't matter. The Lord has searched you and he knows you. You know when I sit and when I rise. The Lord knows when you're sitting. He knows what you're doing. He sees your every day. This is about the, the omnipresence of God. He sees all. This is about the omniscience of God. He knows all. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all of my ways. Listen, there is nothing you can do that is hidden from God. Now, let me tell you what is not going to happen. Because some people used to preach this and scare me to death. I'm going to share in a minute. That's better. So you see that screen up there? See that screen up there? This is what you, I, I, I've heard this preached before. Uh, there'd be like a screen like that when I got to heaven. And in front of everyone, God would be playing my whole life on that screen. Right? In front of everyone else. Like all my embarrassing thoughts, and there's loads, right? Uh, all my embarrassing comments and moments and things that I'd said, all the stuff, all the rubbish that's in there, as well as all the good stuff that was in there, for everyone to see, to embarrass me, to make me feel bad. And th- what I need to do is to become better so I can have less of those thoughts and stuff on the screen. Let me tell you now, that is a load of rhubarb. Right? It's rubbish. That is not why God is concerned with our heart. God is concerned with our heart because he loves us, because he wants us to be closer to him. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely. Hands up here who knows the word that's even on their own tongue before they've said it. <laughs> Who's done that? Who's just been so sharp? And the thing is, we, 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 we're told that's good. Oh, you're really sharp-witted. And in some cases, it can be quite good. It can be quite useful. If you're in a business meeting and you're sharp and you're on it, it's, it's, it's all really, really good. But let me tell you, it's dangerous. Sometimes we don't even know what's on the end of our own tongues before we've said it. Isn't it incredible that God does? In that moment, he knows exactly what we're going to say, exactly what's going to happen. But the most incredible thing about that is, because I've said some hurtful thing, things. Hands up who've said some hurtful things before. And if I've said anything hurtful to you in this room, I, I, I sincerely apologise now. I've said some horrible things. Usually not on purpose. Usually because I've been like, bang, oh, quick retort. Bang, a little bit of sarcasm. Bang, a little joke that I don't think is... I look back on it and think, ah, well, not really a great joke, Brompton. You muppet, what are you doing? We've all done it. But you know what? It's, it's absolutely incredible that even God, even though God knows all of that stuff, he chooses to love me. He chooses to love you. Seen everything. Sees everything, beginning from end. Hasn't even happened yet, and he knows 
because God exists outside of what we understand as the linear concept of time. Although scientists now, I've been listening a lot recently to Radio 4 because I'm sad and old, um, uh, but scientists now are realising that, that time isn't quite as linear as, as we first thought. There's loads of really cool stuff going on, uh, loads of experiments and stuff going on. I won't bore you with them at the moment, but come and speak to me about it. I am quite fascinated by it. But we understand time as one thing, and God exists outside of that, completely outside of that, and I just uh, absolutely blows my mind. You hem me in. Behind and before you have laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. What are you saying there? I cannot understand fully the fact that you're all around me. Hemmed in. Hemmed in. He's got us. God's got you. Anyone watch rugby? Anybody watch any Six Nations this weekend? <laughs> uh, I'm not going to mention any Wales scores. Uh, I am Welsh. Oh, I shouldn't mention any England scores today either. Uh, but if you're Scottish, well done. Well done. God has hemmed us in. So much so that we can't understand how much he, he, he loves us and he, he, he's, he's in, in control of what's going on. He loves you. He's in control of what's going on. Sometimes it feels like it's out of control, doesn't it? Hands up if you've ever felt out of control. The world at the moment, we were praying earlier, amazingly led prayers this morning. The world seems out of control. It seems bonkers. Some crazy things happening. We, we see it all the time. We'd have to go far out of our houses to see just ridiculous things happening in the world. But God is in control. He has you like this. Do you know when he says, we often think, we sing that kid's song, he's got the whole world in his hands. And that's great. But he's got you in his hands. Make it more personal. He's got the whole world in his hands. But he's got you in his hands. He's got you. I like that phrase in a moment, I've got you. Have you heard young people say that? I've got you. I love it. I think it's amazing. I think it's one of the best things that young people have come up with recently. I've got you. Because if they mean it, it's awesome, isn't it? It's about brotherhood and sisterhood and, and, and doing life together and all that stuff. It's just, I've got you. It doesn't just mean I'm going to pay for your coffee. It does mean that as well. It's all good. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. God's got you. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for the darkness is a light to you. What is it saying? It's saying whatever position we are, be it dark or light, God is the same. And God has got you. He knows you. He searches your heart. He searches your mind. He's got you. He does that and still loves you. For you created my innermost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Now, I don't know your circumstances around your birth. That would be weird if I did. 
I know the circumstances around mine, and I'll be honest, for the first few years of my life, I didn't feel particularly fearfully and wonderfully made. I felt like I'd come out of chaos. And I suppose in an earthly sense of you, I did come out of chaos. It was chaotic. It was strange. There was lots of stuff happening. It wasn't wasn't as God intended relationships to be. And I want to say to you today, if you've come out of that same situation, that I'm not making light of it at all. But I will say this. My Bible tells me, the Word of God tells me, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Who agrees? Not me. You might not think I am. But you are. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. I don't care what kind of chaos you came from. Let me tell you guys, this is going to become more and more important in, in the next coming years. Because people now, are become, I thought my life was chaotic as a young person. But it, it's getting more so. It's getting more complicated. Relationships are more complicated. Gender and sexuality are more complicated. Where people come from in those situations are going to become more and more complicated. Young people will need to know the word of God. They will need to know they are fearfully and wonderfully made. And we as a church need to take our place in making sure they jolly well know it. I'm sorry if I'm... (laughs) We do. We absolutely do. You can say you agree if you agree. Cheers. Yes. Sophie agrees. Job done. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. What's it saying there? Well, it's saying God, God, it didn't take conception for you. It didn't take birth for God to know you. God exists out of time, remember? God knew you when they were still not in there. That'd be weird. I can't do that. Not equipped. Looks like I am, but I'm not. Okay? But he knew you. Oh, before your mum even knew you. Before your dad laid eyes on you and went, you're amazing. I went all gooey for the first time. Just talking about Dom now. We all do it, don't we? We see little kids, little babies. Like, oh. I've got one friend, right, who says weird things like, I just want to eat them. That's weird. That is weird. That's going too far. Way too far. Nobody should be eating babies. Yes, I did say that from the platform. That's not where we were going. But God knew you there. Before your mum knew you, before your dad knew you, I remember at that point, he knew everything you were going to say. Everything you were going to think. Every action that you were going to do. Isn't that right, Sophie? Yeah. She is awesome. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, O oh God. Now, this is a bit where I got challenged. Are God's thoughts about me precious to me? Or are the thoughts of other people more pres- about me more precious to me? 
because I'll be honest, right? And this is a, a, a kind of a partly a musician thing or an artistic thing. We care what people think. It's kind of part of why we do what we do. It's just a part of us. We have to work through this stuff. But it's true. We care what people think. We're sensitive. I don't look sensitive, but I am, right? Remember that. We're sensitive people. David was a sensitive. You read it all over the Psalms. He's like, oh, wait, he's doing this. He's a really sensitive guy. Doesn't mean he's not a warrior. Warriors can be sensitive, right? Ask Ollie. He's both. Absolutely right. But how much does other people's opinion bother us? I'll, I'll, can I be honest with you right now? Somebody said something to me last week, and it really upset me. In fact, I think what upset me was the fact that it was done to somebody about me. And I'm not going to share what or where or anything like that because that would be uh, wrong of me to do from the pulpit because I will never do that. But it hurt me. shouldn't have hurt me because it was just a, a comment somebody made. Uh, it, it, I'm not going to say it didn't matter. It, it did matter. Um, but I was more focused on that for the rest of the day than, uh, than I was about what God was saying about me. I was focused on that one thing. And I'd done what Dom had told me not to do and, and, and kind of let something other than God be the thing that I was following. And I was following the approval of people. I was following the approval of people. I didn't have that approval and I felt injured by that. And I felt hurt by that. And Sal will tell you, I was in a foul mood until I got coffee and food again. And then I was all right. <laughs> but we do. We, 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 we get hurt, don't we? We get injured. We are sensitive. But that's okay. We know. We've learned from this uh, series on emotions. We're allowed to be sensitive. Part it, we're allowed to have emotions. We're allowed to feel sad. But you cannot stay there. We must remember that precious to me are your thoughts, O oh God. Not the thoughts of that person over there. Not the thoughts of that person. Precious to me are your thoughts about me, O oh God. Yours and yours alone. How vast is the sum of them? Where I can count them, they would be outnumbered. They would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. And then we go on to a part where where, where David's talking about um, he's going through a tough time. If only you would slay the wicked. Oh God, who's ever thought that? Not in them terms. We don't use those terms these days, do we? I don't wake up in the morning, oh Lord, if you would only slay the wicked today, please, please don't be praying that, please slay the wicked today, Lord, as I go into my workplace and all of those that don't know you, smite them down in your name, no, let's not be doing that, let's not be doing that. What he's saying here is, uh, I'm anxious about some stuff. See, the funny thing about being anxious is that we can be anxious for two reasons. One, something bad is going to happen, and we know it. And number two, something we think is going to happen. We don't know if it will, but it might. But the response is the same. The anxiety response is exactly the same for both. We can't perceive a difference in them. 
as human beings, we have this thing called cortisol that runs through our body. And cortisol gives is, is that kind of stress hormone and it kicks around our body and it makes us do stupid things sometimes. It makes us panic a little bit and all of that kind of stuff. It also protects us. It's not all bad. But we learned last week, didn't we, about perfect love driving out all fear. So let's move on. They speak of you with evil intent. Your adversaries misuse your name. Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord, and, and abhor those who rise up against you? I have nothing but hatred for them. I count them my enemies. Wow. That, that's, that's harsh, isn't it? What does Jesus tell us to do with our enemies? He tells us to love our enemies, doesn't he? He tells us to love our enemies. What we're going to need to remember here, this is a, a psalm written by a person who's feeling anxious at the time. He's a human being like you and like me. Absolute legend of a human being, obviously, but human being, none the same. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. There we go. That's how we know he was feeling anxious. And what he was anxious about. He's anxious about, he thinks people are going to come and get him. And, you know, he was right to be anxious sometimes. Sometimes stuff does happen. Sometimes we feel anxious and stuff is happening. But we choose where our focus is. We choose to focus on the anxious thought or we choose our focus to be on Christ. We choose our focus to be on Jesus. And our focus needs to be on Jesus. The opposite to cortisol is serotonin. So I've learned a lot doing this. It's great. The opposite to that is serotonin. And serotonin sometimes is called the love chemical thing. Yeah. Hormone, that's the word. Hormone, love hormone. It's called the love hormone. So when the Bible talks about perfect love drives out all fear, it's obviously it's talking about the perfect love of Christ. But there's a very, very real element of, of kind of being human in all of that. And, and when we choose to focus on the love, that is the bit that drives out all of our fear. You cannot be great. You cannot be thankful and fearful at the same time. Your brain is very clever, much cleverer than mine. Okay, your brain is very clever, but it cannot do that. It cannot process thankful and fearful at the same time. I talk to my kids at school about this all the time. I say, look, if you are struggling with fearful thoughts, if you are struggling with thinking negative thoughts about yourself, just start to think about the things that you are thankful for. Now, most of them aren't Christians, so it'll be things like, well, I'm thankful for my family, and, and I'm thankful for, for my food, and I, I'm thankful for my pet, and all of that kind of stuff. But, but do you know what? It, it has an impact. It has an impact because it's a God-ordained thing. It's how he designed us to be. You, when he knit you together in your mother's womb, it's how he designed you. He designed your mind not to work with fearful and, th and thankfulness at the same time. Why? Because he wants us to live thankful. Otherwise, we've just been, well, fearful, thankful, be a nightmare. 
God wants us to be thankful all the time. And he's done so much. We're going to do something in a minute, and uh, I'm, I'm going to caveat this before we do it. Now, now, I know we've rushed through that a little bit this morning, and we have not had tons and tons of time, but I want us to just think about something very, very, very quickly. Romans 8, verse 5 to 8 says this. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. It goes on to say, that we are not condemned through Christ Jesus. We are going to do something this morning. We're going to ask God to search our hearts. This is the bit that's a little bit like surgery. Now, put your hands up if you're perfect. None of us. Now, God doesn't need to search our hearts necessarily to find out what's there because he knows all things. We learned that, didn't we? He knows all things. It's not for our benefit. We don't do it for God. We can do very little for God, actually. We could worship him and, and honour him and praise him, but but this is for our benefit. This is so that God can point some stuff out to us and go, Oi, Brompton, sort your life out. Oi, Steve, deal with that. Oi, Sal, I'm trying to get your attention. That's why we need to examine our hearts. That's why we need God to kind of point stuff out to us to do some open heart surgery. Proverbs three, uh, Proverbs 4. 23 says this above all else guard your heart for this is the wellspring of life above all else guard your heart you can't guard what you don't know is there we need to be in touch with where our heart is at where our emotions are at where our feelings are at and we need to be ready for, for God to, to speak to us, to challenge us. Okay, so we're going to do that this morning. Um, I'm going to ask us to stand if we're able. And I'm going to get, I'm going to work Ollie today. <laughs> and we're just going to have a, so, some music playing in the background. And um, we're going to spend a little bit of time just praying that God is going to search our hearts. And we're going to do this. We're going to, I was going to go, you know, this is what God is looking for. Um, God is looking for a heart that serves him, that loves him, that keeps his word, that follows him, that seeks him, that praises him, that trusts him, and that believes him. I've got scriptures for all of those. So if you want them, you, you, can, you can have those. But uh, I, I want you to, to listen this morning to the prompting of the Holy Spirit as we pray. And it, listen, if you're not a Christian in the room, this is a bit odd I'm not going to apologise for that this morning but I will explain what we're doing
We believe as Christians that we are saved by the fact that Jesus was sent to earth by his Father and he paid the ultimate price for our sin by death and more importantly, resurrection from death. And that when we come to a knowledge of who Jesus is and we accept him as our our Lord and our Saviour, that we are transformed, that we have a new body and new mind, but we, but we, we have to keep working on it. We are saved, we are being saved, and we will be saved. And that's what we're doing this morning. We're pure willy. We're doing some work with God this morning. We're doing some open heart surgery this morning. Now let me say this. Please, if you want to have a nice easy time for the next 10 minutes, don't pray. It's weird, isn't it? Somebody invited me not to pray. I've learned that when I pray some of this stuff, and I mean it, God points some stuff out. And it usually means I have to take an action. It usually means I'll have to have a conversation with somebody. It might mean that I have to sort out a habit, an issue. Maybe an ongoing sin problem in life. That's what we're dealing with this morning, guys. It's, it's that real. But there is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. It's not from a place of condemnation. This is from a place of God loving you so much, knowing your every thought, your every deed, your every action, and loving you so much that he sent his son to die on the cross for you so you could have a relationship with you. And he just wants it to be closer and closer. He's got you. And he wants to be even closer. Shouldn't do that. I've got a bad shoulder. He's got you this morning. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, search our heart. Holy Spirit, show me what's great. But show me what needs fixing. Lord, point out the plank in my own eye. Search me, O Lord. Search me.